Hello and welcome back to another episode of Essential Mental Healing, where I am your host, Candace Fleming. And joining me today is my lovely co-host, Janet Hale, who is having some technical difficulties, so you won't actually be able to hear her in this episode, but she is listening and will be able to interact with our guest um, back and forth. So (laughs) we're going to have a little bit of a different format for this episode, but joining us also is our lovely guest, Corrine Johnson. Hello. (laughs) So, guys, we had a lot of technical things happening with this episode. Um, So if things don't sound the same as they have, it's because of the technicalities that we have worked our best to get through. (laughs) But Corrine is a dear friend of mine who is an awesome and wonderful woman, as well as wife and mother. And we are in this episode to discuss more so about the mothering journey. She has had such an interesting, awesome, amazing, unique journey that I think could definitely benefit many mothers who struggle in the line of being themselves and <laughs> not putting on for everyone. Because a lot of times I've noticed, even with myself, when things happen in parenting, we'll put on an act for other people. It's like, oh, my kid is acting up. Now at home, I wouldn't beat them. But out in the public, I think I need to because I need people to think that I'm doing better. I need them to look at me and have this um, this idea of me being a great mother. And being a great mother consists of beating my child when they're doing something wrong. However, Corrine does not do so, has not done so. And I would love for you all to hear her journey. But first, could you introduce yourself a little more to us, Corrine? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm I'm having a moment because I'm realizing that we have known each other for almost 20 years. Yeah. I cannot believe I'm even saying that. Wow. Um, we met at Howard University. Yeah. We met at Howard University and um, I just feel like we have been close ever since. Like not have we haven't missed a beat. Um, we entered motherhood in the same year. Um, we, we have just been each other's cheerleader. Um, and I'm just so honored to be your friend. I'm so honored to be your sister. And I'm so, so happy and honored that you wanted to share my story today. Yes, of course. Um, so Corrine, you have (laughs) three lovely children. Um, your first child was you had to do some homeschooling, or was that with the second? I know you did homeschooling for both, but did you start with Ellington or did you start after your second was born? Uh, so I have a nine year old, well, he's going to be nine this week, and then I have a seven year old, and then I have a one year old. So, uh, these, um, my middle. Um, he actually got really, really sick when he was five months old. He was in a medically induced coma for, um, some time. (laughs) Um, we were in the hospital for a little over a month and, um, it was from RSV, complications of RSV and pneumonia. And it was his second time getting it. And because he was so small, um, we were 
aggressively told <laughs> to uh, remove our oldest from daycare and basically start homeschooling them and bring them home. Um, our middle one hadn't started school yet, but we were told to bring our oldest one home because if he were to catch anything else, it would probably be fatal. Um, so we had to, I, I feel like motherhood is all about praying for the best and preparing for the worst. And that was, I feel like my first introduction into that, <laughs> that reality. Um, and so, yeah, so we started homeschooling, um, in 2000, um, what was it? 2018, um, after he got out of the hospital, um, he was he was almost six months, and um, we homeschooled for a couple of years, uh, right right when the pandemic started. So I so I guess I always say that we were prepared for the pandemic because we were already homeschooling. Oh wow! Um, before the pandemic started, yeah. So that's awesome. Now, Corinne, when you did that, did you get any backlash from people about how you were choosing to? educate your children? Well, at the time, we now live in Los Angeles, but at the time we were living in Washington, D.C., which is a very, very um, well-supported homeschooling community, um, especially for Black families. It is it is a world that a lot of people aren't aware of. Um, it's an underground world that is just so beautifully Ran is such a well-oiled machine. Um, and so my first, uh, I feel like my first thing that I did was just anyone around me that was homeschooling, I was talking to them, interviewing them, uh, finding out what I needed to do, making sure that I was in the co-ops to have the support that I needed. Um, because at the same time, I had a little baby, so... Um, even though I was listening to the doctors, like I was, I was trying to make sure, and we didn't, we didn't do the homeschooling co-op like right away. Cause we just wanted to make sure that we gave him like a couple of months um, home, like without any interactions. But soon after um, we were, we, we had jumped right in and um, I felt like because of the trajectory of my life trajectory of at that time, my oldest was three I feel like I have um, made it very clear that I'm open for suggestions, but I don't need your opinion. Um, your opinion is your opinion. <laughs> so I'm one of those people and I've kind of always been like this. I kind of, I take the meat and I leave the bones because every single thing that you are telling me about my motherhood journey is based off of your experience. And sometimes you're not even a mother. Absolutely. <laughs> not to say that someone who has not birthed any children or who have who hasn't adopted any children or taken care of children can't tell you anything. But sometimes I do feel like we're too entitled to share our thoughts on something that we haven't experienced. And so I think that specific situation really did help me to really ground myself in who I am as a mother because... At that time, there was no one else that I knew that had experienced that, you know, had experienced their child in a medically induced coma, had experienced at five months old, 
<laughs> um, and and when he was when he when he when they placed him in a medically induced coma, that was actually his second time in the hospital in a month. So it was it was a very very unique experience that shaped our family that that made us closer, um, that built trust between me and my husband. Um, so the opinions I feel like weren't. It, it 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 wasn't there because I I I feel like it was one of those moments where I was like put some respect on my name, <laughs> right like, right. I am in the trenches here and I don't have time for for anyone else who is not um, in support of what I'm doing. And if you don't get it, that's fine. But I'm really not interested in your opinion because it has <laughs> nothing to do with you, and you don't even understand what's happening you know you know what i i love that kareem i love that so much and you and i get to have really good conversations (laughs) like Mm -hmm. they just magically turn into universal deep conversations in about five minutes and that's awesome (laughs) but um i love and i practice this as well not doing what other people are suggesting because it doesn't necessarily match your purpose, your will, your journey. Because one, all of our children are so unique and so different and they carry things differently. They do things differently. Like um, I was talking to a friend and he was like, you know, my child used to be really hard on themselves. They would say things that were very concerning, like hurtful, like hurting themselves and things like that. But what happened was they found out that the way they were communicating with their child was making them feel this way. So they were like, you know, I had to stop being so hard on them. I had to feed them um, with positivity more so than being hard on the things they weren't doing right. And so that's something that they had to do individually for their child. Um, And he was like, every time I would try to whoop them or something, it seemed like it was making his life worse. And it was like, so I had to stop doing that because it wasn't working. And I remember once trying to pop Kamari, this is when she was younger, younger, you know, you're figuring it out, black community, mm-hmm. how we're supposed to do it. And um, <clears throat> and the next time she did something and she was like, just pop me. And I was like, wait, first of all, this isn't the way this is supposed to go. I'm confused because I feel like you're using reverse psychology. <laughs> mm. So I'm not going to pop you. Ha ha ha. Joke's on you. Yeah. But then I ended up having the conversation with her, which worked out better because now she understood why I was upset. She understood why I wanted or was doing the consequences or actually that's punishment at that point that I was doing. Um, And I, I started teaching her and her way of life because our children don't know anything. They don't know what's right and what's wrong until we teach them. We know it. So when they, and even if we gave them a hint towards it in life, like, hey, don't do this. Well, two years later, they did it. They're not even probably not mostly thinking about the fact that you said don't do it. So they're doing it because they were interested. They were curious. (laughs) They thought it would be fun. You know, certain things, especially I would tell my daughter, the first time is a warning. The second time is a consequence because you know that. (laughs) And consequence doesn't look like a beating. A consequence may be taking her phone. A consequence may be um, you have to do some, I hate this one, but do an extra page of work. Because the only reason I hate that one is because I don't want you to think work is punishment. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But we do have, you know, just figuring out that whole journey in itself has been super interesting. But you 
have been monumental in that as well as my mother, because we talked a lot when I was pregnant. We talked a lot um, when I first had Kamari and I was learning how to be, a, I always thought you were a good parent. So I was learning how to be oh. a good parent. And one of the things that um, I will say is done. And of course, this podcast is all about solution based. We hear the problem, but we want to move towards solutions. Um, one of the things that I remember you saying to me with Ellington was that you don't, you didn't tell him no. You would say, no, thank you, because it was mm-hmm. softer and it was more receptive. And so I started that, too. Thank you, Corrine. That was so cool. It's like, no, thank you. I'm like, well, well I hear the no, but it, it does sound gentle. And OK, I guess it's a no. <laughs> so yeah. For that. I heard. So I heard, I was um, working at a school in D.C., a charter school in D.C., and one of the girl that I was working with, um, I heard her say that to her daughter. And I, I was just like, I am going to use that because I always say that I'm a gentle parent until I can't be gentle anymore. Like, I'm a gentle parent until we need to find some other solutions. And not to say that it's not going to be, quote unquote, gentle, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, you just you just have to get more aggressive and, you know, maybe some tears will come because of your tone or mm-hmm. whatever. But I just feel like, you know, we there are other ways to do things besides taking out a belt and <laughs> absolutely <laughs> beating your child until they say they're they're until they apologize. Um so yeah, I'm I'm just I've just always been open to other modes of like helping my children um see the world in a way where they don't always feel like they're always doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because sense. it does, it makes a lot of sense. If you think about a relationship like a our relationships with our spouse or romantic relationships. If you came into a home and every day they only told you, or they kept telling you what you did wrong, or they Mm -hmm. keep telling you to fix something or they're yelling at you, you're not going to want to come to that home every day. And it's the same thing with children. We just don't think so because well, one, they're unconditional love. They just bounce back and be like, I love you again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But two, because we just think they're supposed to do this is the way it's supposed to be done. And that's not true. We're, we are their examples. We're, mm-hmm. So when they watch us, it's like, how do I handle difficult situations? Well, I saw how mommy handled that. So I'm going to handle it this way. If we go out cussing everybody out, guess what? They're going to go out cussing everybody out. If we want to fight everybody, that's how they're going to be in school. They're going to want to fight all the children because that's how they learn mm-hmm. how to do conflict. It's easy for us to say, oh, use your words. Do this and do that. And then when it comes to that time, they're like, oh, no, I know what to do. My automatic response to this is to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also have my child around, so. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to do the best. So mom did send a message in and she said that um, the way we love our children is another way to love ourselves. That's true. That is very true. Um, that's true. And that's also very hard. You know, I, I, you know, because when you, uh, I, I don't know, I can only speak for myself, but I really had to come to terms with 
the way that I viewed myself after becoming a mom. It took me some years to see like how I viewed myself um, because I feel like throughout life, depending on the way that we were raised or our relationships, our childhood relationships, our adult relationships, you have so much armor on you. And I think everyone can say this about me. I was pretty hard growing up. I was pretty hard in college. I was pretty hard my my 20s. It was, it was a lot of um, toughness that I felt like needed to be in place. Um, that stemmed from my relationship with my mother. That stemmed from growing up in Cleveland. Like, it just stemmed from me being always being always feeling like I needed to be on the defense and it was a it was my tool um and so when you have children and you realize that that they don't know anything and you are the one that has to teach them you have to remove that exterior in order to get the lesson across sometimes well most of the time all the time (laughs) You you got to remove those layers because my son was born in Maryland and now lives in L.A. He doesn't understand a, a Cleveland upbringing. He doesn't. Mm. He only understands his specific journey. And sometimes we bring our personal journey into the, their world and they don't get it. Like they don't mm. understand. <laughs> they don't understand the toughness and the they don't they don't get it. It just doesn't make sense in their world. So. Um, I had to understand that in order for me to love my children the way that felt good to me, I needed to understand that I'm worthy of that love too. And that took a while for me to like completely like grasp. Now, one of the things that we did or our parents we didn't have was tablets and phones and things growing up. What was your transition like in allowing your children to use tablets and phones? Or are you still like no electronic, no screen time or very small screen time? Or have you adapted to the times of children are just into tablets and things and they learn that way? I am all about a tablet, a phone. I I just really feel like some things are... And this is just my, my thoughts, but I just feel like sometimes things are just extreme. And if you don't want to give your, your child a tablet, that's fine. If you don't want to give your child a phone, that's fine. But when I'm sitting in the airport, <laughs> my child is going to get a tablet. My child is going to get a phone. When I'm at dinner and my child was supposed to be at an event and that event didn't come through or they were supposed to be on a play date and they got to come with me to dinner to meet with somebody, they're going to get a tablet. They're going to get a phone. <laughs> It's, it's, it's for my sanity, not yours. Yes. So if it, yes. it bothers you to see my child on a tablet, then don't look. But Period. I feel like in this day and age, you can make those adjustments for your household. But I feel like if you don't do it, they're going to get it somewhere else. Like my, my son was telling me how they were learning cursive on YouTube in, in class. Oh, wow. And so, of course, the teacher is is still teaching them. Right. But she's showing them videos to, like, help, you know, help her process. And so I just think we underestimate, like, um, how it's already influenced in their in their lives. Yeah. And if you use it 
to, if you use it to your advantage, I feel like it's only, it's only but so much that you can do because it's not, it's not like, and not downing anyone who does this because everyone's household is their own, but the boys are not on the, on the tablets, like looking up like YouTube videos every single day. It's like a yes. lot of like educational apps. Yeah. It's, of, um, it's just a lot of educational things. Like sometimes they can just pull up the Disney app, but a lot of times it's just, you know, educational things or tab time for, for yeah. my, for my it's almost like teaching while you're doing something else. You get to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> multitasking. <laughs> it's a multitasking. Yeah. yeah. Um, mom so, did have a, a question going back to what we were talking about as far as healing the inner self. She asked mm. if you, um, did you have to learn to heal the child within you and go back and get her to teach her anew? Mm. So I do believe that I had to shift my lens on the way that I viewed myself. And so I do think it. a lot of it started with me just looking at little Corrine, looking at seven-year-old Corrine, looking at innocent Corrine, the Corrine that didn't know what armor was needed to get through life, the Corrine that um, didn't know all of the... Uh, the journeys that the women in my life have been on, um, the the pain, the, like I I feel like there was so much, um, there was so much anger for me built up because I didn't have a very close relationship with my mom, um, and it's because she didn't have a very close relationship with her mom. My mother, my grandmother actually just passed this week, and that may sound very. Thank you. That may sound very sad for some people, um, but it was very healing for me because Mm. I went so many years with so much anger towards my grandmother for what she allowed my mother and her siblings to go through because it definitely had so much effect on me and all of my first cousins. Um, And so for me, even recently, I wrote a letter to my grandmother this week and just apologizing to her for the journey that she had to go on as a black mm. woman in the, in the 30s and 40s in United States, in the United States, raising six children, six black children um, in the South. Yeah. Um, and so I think for me, my healing has has really had a lot to do with me releasing the expectations that I placed on previous generations Mm. that weren't their own, you know, Mm. like they just like we had to adjust with like our generation of kids with the tablets and everything. Like they dealt with stuff that my, my ego had, had, didn't know anything about. But my ego as a as a daughter and my entitlement as a daughter made me feel like, well, she should have done this and she should have done that. But she didn't have the tools to do that. Yeah. She didn't have the tools to give me some of the things that I longed for. Um, 
they didn't, a lot of that hardness came from my mom and my grandmother, you know? And so I, I now can see that as their strength. Yeah. You know, I, I look at it as like, you know, how, how could you deal with an abusive man? And how could you, how could you, but you know, I mean, this, 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 this is, this is a very sensitive thing to say, but, you know, domestic violence in, in, in childhood has a long, everlasting impression on that child and the generations that come after them, you know, and my mother came from a very abusive household. And so I can't negate that when I think about how she was a mother to me and how you know, the way that I have to mother. And so for me to change the lineage, you know, I have to be very, very mindful that these were women that came from very, very, um, very, 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 very complicated backgrounds and layered backgrounds, painful backgrounds. Some of it had joy in it, but it was a lot of pain there. Yes, And I, I feel like in order for me to, fully accept who I am, I really had to accept who my mom and my grandmother was because, um, you know, at the end of the day, if my grandmother didn't exist, I wouldn't be here because I'm, I come from my mother and she came from my grandmother. So before I was even thought of, I was in my grandmother's womb. And so, um, I came from her and I had to really come to terms with that and what that meant. And um, I feel like the anger that I had towards my mother and my grandmother for them not being able to live up to my expectations, that anger, like it came back to me in a lot of ways. So I had a lot of anger toward myself and in life and, you know, as beautiful as a mother <laughs> that I I can be. I had a lot of anger in my early years of, of motherhood too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I had to work through. Um, and that's something, you know, I still have moments where I, I have to go, I have to go take a, 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 a time in <laughs> <laughs> and uh, make sure that I'm doing what I need to do emotionally and spiritually to be present for them. Now, um, mm. I love what you're saying. I love all of this. Now, when you talk about generational curses and coming down, I recently had a whole revelation that general curses have nothing to do with not being passed down. They have everything to do with not being taught to the next generation. They don't have to break what they don't know. So mm. if, if abuse is in your family and you want to break that generational curse, don't show your children abuse. They'll never have to deal with that. You know, it's all of those little things. So like, and then um, the other thing I wanted to say was, um, uh, it was, you've done this self work within yourself, but can you recognize it in other people? So when someone is attacking you, can you say, this has nothing to do with me? This has everything to do with you. And I'm going to separate the two to be able to not be angry because of what someone has done to you. Are you able to do that same self-reflection for others as you do for yourself and give that same grace to them as you would give for yourself? And I'll share a story about that in a second after you answer. 
I can now. Um, it took it took me it took me thirty something years to be able to get to this point. Um, because my first defense was uh <laughs> my first defense was either <laughs> cussing you out up and down <laughs> or you know it was it was just always some kind of aggression that made you made it very clear that I'm not the one I'm not the one that you want to go there with and so what I realized is that we all live different journeys and there is someone in the corner that is so envious of what you got going on. Mm-hmm. You may just be you may just be living the most simple life, but there is someone that is so envious of what mm-hmm. you have going on. And yeah. that person is always going to come out of the weeds. It doesn't matter what you got going on. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter how bad you think you look or how worse or how bad you think your family is doing there's always going to be somebody that comes out of the weeds that reminds you that you really do got it going on and Jenna said it's not me it's you <laughs> it's not me it's you and and you really have to that's where the self-work comes in like once you've done the work on yourself you realize that Every single thing that people project say to you has something to do with them. Every yep. single thing that people yep. say to you. And so I think for me, I have gotten to a place where throughout my years of, of, of cussing simpletons out is what I call them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cussing haters out. I'm one of those people. I never even thought I had a dang old hater. And then it's just like you get older and you just like, oh, that's what that's been. All these years, people have just been envious of your journey, you know, being younger and older adults being envious of your of your uh, of your freedom and envious of your of your joy and your, you know, the 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 eagerness inside of you. Um, Sometimes that's sometimes that's professors, sometimes that's teachers, sometimes that's parents, sometimes that's family members, sometimes it's coworkers like you. It just comes from everywhere. But what I realized over the years is that that's a lot of energy that you give those people. Those people that literally can't even take care of themselves properly, can't even, you know, can't even choose men properly, can't even choose mm-hmm. partners properly, can't even do things that you would do. So why are you even arguing with them? Janice says, you know. She says, you don't need to bring up my past. I don't live there anymore. Find my new address. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so, you you know, that that's, that's, that's another thing that I think is so important. It's like when you are doing your self-work, and self-work look, looks different for everyone. But when you're doing your self-work, I feel like you have to be very, very mindful that people notice it immediately. And when you... Maybe. When you are in tune with yourself, you, you you start to distance yourself and you realize that you don't have to be connected to everybody anymore. You know, just like I said, my my tough exterior was my armor. Sometimes relationships is armor, armor and sometimes we feel obligated to maintain these relationships. But one thing that my therapist told me a couple of weeks ago, 
relationships and obligation to relationships, obligation to anything is outdated. You don't have to be connected to anything or anyone you don't want to be connected to. So, um, so yeah, you, you, you have to, that self-work, it, it usually shows up when you start being really, really mindful of like your relationships and how those relationships impact you and how you impact those relationships. Because a lot of people are just sucking you dry. And until you start to become aware of that, you just continue to give your energy and you, you drained around these people and you don't even know why mm-hmm. you don't have energy. <clears throat> you don't have the capacity to be drained when you're a mother. You, yes. you have to pour into your children and to your family. So if people are not around you to help you pour into your children, those ain't the, those ain't your people. Let's talk about intentional and time mm-hmm. because, uh, <laughs> yes, stop your own bleeding is what Janice said to your comment mm-hmm. that you just made. Um, she mm-hmm. also said earlier in response to when we were talking about the ancestors and she said, my prayer to my ancestors in the universe for my womb, being grateful. She did say that. I wanted to share, uh, we were talking about other people's problems and them bringing it to you is because of them. Um, I have a situation where someone isn't always so kind to me. <laughs> However, I I am aware enough to know that their past, their upbringing, the people around them, their thought process definitely influence the way that they respond to me. And it's easy for someone to look at me and say, why don't you respond in the same way that they're responding? Why are you still kind? Why are you still smiling? Like they're doing things to you that aren't very kind. But I understand that that's not about me. If I respond in the way that they are responding to me, then I'm only being them. I'm not being me. And Candace enjoys being a light. It's funny because when you when you're going through it, People are always like, you should do this. You should do that. But when it's over, they end up saying, if you do it your way, you'll hear a lot of this. You handled that really well. You did a great job. I can't believe you were so kind through that. But going through it, people are hurt and they just want to see pain inflicted on pain. What if we didn't inflict pain with pain and we inflicted pain with love? Oh, it ain't going to go too far. It ain't going to go too far. And then, then you being the monster you don't like. That's what Janice said. Then you're being right. Exactly. I don't want to be that monster. I don't like her. I don't want to be her. She ain't me. But the person I am, I think is beautiful and bright and light. So I continue to show that part of me, Mm -hmm. even in difficult situations. But again, that comes with healing yourself, healing, knowing what's happening, knowing what happened in the previous generations. My mother had different things from her mother. Her mother gave her different things. My brother got the grunt brunt of the end with breaking that generational curse. Because for me, I don't have a lot of, I maybe got it in the beginning, but it's, it was so small and few and in between for me, at least my memory, my recollection, I have a lot more positive in it, but I think a lot of that came with how my mother and father both treated me with love. They poured so much love into me, man. Sometimes I'd be like, come on with the love, come on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, yes. that is, but I, I wanted to say that I said all of that because you have so much good stuff. Being intentional with your children will definitely take you away from other people because I've been being a lot more intentional 
um, with our time, especially during the school week, because she goes to her father Mondays and Tuesdays. Um, and then I get her after school Wednesday. But there is a time after school and before bedtime that she has to have specific time to know that she matters. But during that is also the time which would be, quote unquote, the time I'd be on the phone or doing things with other people. So I've had to come out of that in order to give my child more intentional time. However, this is a part of what I signed up for. First of all, I wanted to be a mother. So I actually decided that I was going to give up a part of my free time in order to pour into this child. Now, I don't think a lot of parents realize that when you say I'm going to have children, this is what you're doing. And you're doing that with every child that you have. It's not just, oh, I'm having a kid to be a sibling. We shouldn't be having children just to be a sibling. We have to raise them, (laughs) you know? So, I mean, it's good that our children have siblings, but I'm saying that putting that intentional time in your child is definitely going to take you away. And it's easy to weed out those bad people first when you realize that you have to do that and live a more fruitful life. Show your child the fruitful life you're living and give it to them. Okay, I'm done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You have to, you know, I, I, I. Having three children definitely shifted a lot for me. Yeah. Um, with two, I was able to I was able to talk on the phone sometimes. I was able to do different things, and now I I literally look at myself and I'm just like, oh, you haven't called you haven't called KK in in two weeks. You haven't called you haven't like I'm realizing like oh my goodness, like you are really busy, but you're not. It's not that you're quote unquote busy, you're 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 present. Yes. Yes, you're present. Yeah, I I just feel like I have to be that during these years. Like there there's no other choice for me. And And um and I want to be that way. I'm not Mm -hmm. this isn't something that that's happening against my will. Like I chose to have three children. I decide like this is something that we plan to do. So um, this is what I signed up for. So. Yes. And you know what? Your friends are going to be understanding of that. And when you have them living their own lives, it's actually the same thing. They don't have the same time that you don't have, you know, but also just being able to say, I know that them not talking to me has nothing to do with them not loving me. So that when you do talk again, you jump right back. You and I, we don't talk for six, seven months sometimes. We'll have a two hour conversation, catch up on the last seven months as if we never missed a beat. Never missed a beat, mm-hmm. but that's the love you have to have between people and understanding. It's not about not liking you or being angry with you. It's me living my life. And when we connect, we'll connect. Our paths will cross. But I live an independent life. You live an independent life. And in our independent lives, we have to continue to grow and, and we have to continue to grow. Janet said, um, going back to the process, generational curses, because um, I had mentioned that my brother got the brunt of it. And she said that he was brought up in the learning process in the beginning, many mistakes. I had to break the generational patterns. Unfortunately, he had to be a part of the beginning of my new life. There was, you know, there were whoopings back then, and but she was doing her best. My brother was in gangs and everything and trying to figure out how do you get your child out of a gang? How do you get your child to do right? How do you get your, you think I'm going to push right on them. I'm going to force good on them. I'm going to take them out of this atmosphere, but you have to, you have to learn how to be there for the child that you have. She did eventually definitely learn how to do so in the best way. Uh, part of that maybe being having me, part of that being a new partner, part of that being life, part of that just being um, all of the wisdom that she's gained. But 
uh, in the end, especially right before his death, there, it was definitely understood that it was a process and it was love. Everything. Yeah. Why did he need the gang in the first place is what she asks. What what was he there for? What was he looking for outside of the home that he had to find a family in these people out in the streets? And yes, I see you. She's she's given all the things. <laughs> you guys can't hear her, but she is very present in this conversation. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, even even in even in even in the dark, because life is all about light and dark. Even in the dark, there are moments where you can ask yourself, "What role did I play in this?" You know, mm-hmm. and especially with the first ch- with the first with our firstborns. You know, I mm. I'm so proud of my Otis of Ellington. It's like mm-hmm. I was not the best mom for a very long time, you know? Mm. I mean, it, I mean, I, I know that I was, I was doing things differently, but like there were just some things with myself that I, I just, I knew that I wanted to heal certain parts of me so that I could be better for my children. And, you know, there are times where I just feel like you really do have to take the ego out and, and ask yourself, why is my child doing this? Why, mm. what is happening that is mm-hmm. making them, you know, sometimes my child can be uh, a little, all three of them can be very attached. And it's like, oh, yeah. that's because I'm not present enough. I'm not present mm. enough. If my children are running behind me in the house and mommy, can we, can we, can we, can we? That's because I'm not, I haven't been present enough in the last couple of that's hours good. or days. Yes, yes. And so you have to constantly ask yourself, these are people that have no ill intentions at all. They mm-hmm. came from you and yeah. they're so pure and children are really, really pure up until they're seven. And so if you, if you have children that are, are doing things that's making you lose your mind, ask yourself like what, what's going on this or ask them. That's my favorite. Ask them, you know, my, my one-year-old isn't able to communicate everything, but I love asking Ellington and Parker, you know, why are you doing that? What's mm-hmm. happening? Mm-hmm. What's going on? How can I be a better mom to you? I ask them that question girl, often. Girl, listen, because they'll tell you. They'll tell you mom. what you're doing, what they think you're doing wrong. And mm-hmm. I love the answer that comes, though. The answer is really nice, especially when you see you're doing it right. And they tell you, yes. oh, I love the way I love how you love me. I love that we spend time together. Like to hear that is amazing. And um, there's an episode of Bluey, actually, where mm. the kids want to play. So I think it was the whale episode and um, mm-hmm. the, the New Year's episode. <laughs> um, but anyways, they do all of this. They're tired and everything. So they end up doing this whole whale play thing. And in the end, the kids go play by themselves. And they're like, mm-hmm. that's all you needed? And I've actually witnessed that. Me give my daughter an hour of play. Just We just sit together, no phones, no nothing. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to my room. And she's like, cool. Because I gave her, I filled her with what she needed. And I can go and do it. Even yesterday, actually, we spent a lot of, she had her basketball game. Um, She went with me to get my makeup done. We had a photo shoot at the office. By the time we got, I did her hair. By the time we got back home, I was tired. And I had to tell myself, you spent a lot of time with your daughter today. It's okay if you're tired to go lay down. And guess what? She sat mm-hmm. here 
and watch TV, didn't have any electronics or anything, let me sleep. And she ended up falling asleep and everything was good. She didn't bother me at all, but it's because I gave her what she needed. She didn't feel like she was missing or lacking anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and that's the, that's, that's something that we just put on children, but like, we're the same way. Like when we are fulfilled, we act very different. And I think that is something that I had to come to terms with. Like my child is just like me. My child is a human. My children are human. So if they're not getting what they need, they're not going to act right. They're not going to sleep right. They're not going to, you know, behave, behave in a, um, in a, uh, I don't want to say it a good way in school or proper in in school, but their, their behavior is going to reflect how they are. Their behavior is going to reflect what they're receiving. Genesis. I'm sorry to cut you off. Um, Sometimes your why is more important than your what, why is the child behaving the way they are that makes them do what they are doing? We have to look at the why then what go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's always the why it's always the why. And, and that why starts with you. And then once you know your why, you can help to understand your children's why. Yes. And being present in their why. Um, actually, right now I'm going through a situation with Kamari and I'm figuring out the why. So she has mm-hmm. this attachment. Um, she doesn't want to leave me sometimes, but it starts to happen near the middle of the school year. I'm realizing that it has a lot more to do with her feeling less confident in the work that she's doing because it's getting harder. So she's rebelling against going to class more. I didn't realize I thought it was all these other things. And then I asked her, I said, I'm looking at the work and I'm looking at the grades. And then I'm like, are you having a difficult time in school? Do you need more help? Do you need more tutoring? And she says, yeah. I'm like, oh, Okay, well, I can help you with that. (laughs) Where do you need the help? (laughs) You know, it's being present, though, because I could have looked at the behavior that happened and just, yo, you can't do this, da-da-da-da-da. But like you said, why are you behaving this way? What is making you do so? And it's going to change the behavior. We did a podcast um, a few weeks ago with the... Uh, behavioral, she does neural feedback and she talked about how kids and their behavior in school had a lot more to do with them not understanding. Either they couldn't read the information, they couldn't write the information, or they just clearly didn't understand what was going on, but was too embarrassed to say what the real problem was. So the action was to act out. And if no one paid yeah. attention to what was going on overall, that kid is getting in trouble because they acting out. Mm-hmm. They they don't know what they want to do though. Like, all right, I'm out of class. Ha ha ha. Not doing that work. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like you, like it's paying attention. It's definitely being present. Kareem, I wanted to talk about mommy hour. We're already 47 <laughs> minutes in and I yes. haven't even been able to talk. You had a podcast or have a podcast. Um called mommy hour, which is in part what made I listened to that podcast. And I knew that I needed you on this podcast to talk about parenting um, because you have such an evolved mind when it comes to parenting to me, I believe. Mm, so. <laughs> I appreciate um, that. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about mommy hour, how it got started, um, where people can listen and what is to come maybe. Yeah, so Mommy Hour was birthed uh, during the time where I um, was forced to become a stay-at-home mom when my when my middle one 
uh, Parker was in the hospital. Um, and I was forced into this stay at home mom life. And, you know, I was at all the story times. I was at all these different places that I was not at before. And, um, it was almost as if God placed me. I mean, well, I feel like this is always the case, but God put me in this, in these new spaces for me to receive what I needed to do next, which was the podcast. And so I realized that these moms have no one to talk to. And I, when I say they were diarrhea at the mouth, they were abs. I mean, they were telling me all of their business and I, and I'm, I'm one of the, I can talk to just about anybody. I can talk to the fly on the wall. I can talk, I, I can talk to anybody. Me too. <laughs> but the things and that they were sharing, but the things that they were sharing, I was just like, wow, they feel really comfortable, like sharing this information for some reason. And so I was just like, I just need to have a, a space for these moms. And so some of those moms that I met during story time were some of the ones that I came, that I invited in for, you know, some of my first episodes because I was just so floored and honored and humbled that these women would just feel so comfortable to share their journeys with me. Um, and so I, I did the podcast. I started the podcast in 2018 and, um, I have about like 50 something episodes and uh, you can hear it. You can listen to it anywhere. Podcasts are, um, played, but, um, I am in the process of rebuilding mommy hour and seeing what that is going to look like. Um, I just feel like since I've recorded my last podcast session, which was in 2019, so much has changed. And so I'm really figuring out like, what will it look like? moving forward. Um, it's a space where I'm just very, very transparent about motherhood mm -hmm. and I open the, the door for other mothers to be transparent about motherhood. Um, I think it's very important because I don't feel like there's a lot of, a lot of honesty in motherhood. I feel like there mm. is so much sugarcoating and so much projection and so it's much a shit judgment. show, as you say. It's a shit show sometimes, but we have to realize that we are not the shit show. Like the journey of motherhood can feel like a shit show because it's so much out of our control. Like we mm -hmm. don't control so much of it, but that doesn't mean that we're out of control. It just means that like, just like your kids are new to the world, you are new to motherhood. So you're not going to figure it out like you have your your job figured out that you've been working at for nine years or, you know, you're not going to figure out, you know, motherhood the way that you figured out how to do your makeup so well. Like, it's just so much, so it's many ever changing to it. It's ever changing. As soon as you get one stage, you've moved on to the next and don't let you have multiple Mm. Yeah, let you have multiple. You've moved on to one to next and then the other one. Like you just it's just so many layers. <laughs> so um Mommy Hour is a space that I, I truly feel like is is for moms who are not interested in judging other mothers in their journey, yes. you know? Like I'm so in tune with God and 
I am very aware that God is the only one that can judge what I got going on. Yep. And I'm still fascinated at almost 40 years old. I am still fascinated by, by people who are so um, entitled to judge what yes. someone else has going on. Yes. Um, and back to what you were saying about treating people the way that you want to treat them in, instead of how they treat you. You have to worry about your karma. Yes. You know, your judgment on other people, your judgment on, on, you know, what somebody else got going on that you have nothing to do with, that mm. you know nothing about. Mm. You got to be aware of your own karma. And a lot of times that means you being so present in your journey and on your road that you ain't got time to be worrying about what somebody else is doing unless you're trying to help them. That's like so, someone speeding and on the freeway and they weaving and wobbing in out of traffic. You cussing them out like you got da, 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 not knowing they trying to make it to their dying mother that they only mm-hmm. got so much time. You know, we don't know their story, but we quick to judge the action. Oh, that sounded like. Yeah. Mark yeah, that. And um, you have made a statement before you didn't know why these women felt so safe to share. Uh, mom said that you make them feel safe. Your reason that they feel, especially in that mommy hour, you make people feel. I felt safe listening. I'm like, heck yeah. <laughs> Give me more. You know, I, I have always been a person that talks to the person that no one else is talking to in the room. Mm. I've always been that person. And it's so funny because I was listening to a podcast of um, Yvette Nicole Brown. Um, she's from Cleveland. She's an actress, voiceover artist. And it's so funny because I was listening to a podcast with her and Amanda Seals and she said the same thing. And I've always said that for years that I always talk to people in the room that no one else is talking to. And I heard her say that. And I said, it must be, it must be a Midwest Cleveland thing because it's just something that's just innate. It's like, if I see that you don't look quite right, I'm going to check in to see what's, what's going on. We ain't got to talk about everything, but I just want you to know that there is some light if you're feeling like that it's it's more darkness. Man, Um, that happened on the street for me in Ferndale here, which is a heavily populated gay community. And I was visiting a a friend and I went out to a bar. And when we were leaving, there was a lady, two ladies in the street. And one was kind of crying. I don't know what possessed y'all. Know I just talk to people. I don't know what possessed me to get all in their business. I was like, well, I just hope you have a better day or whatever. I said. She ended up sharing. She was um going through the transition, transgender, and was just feeling lonely, but was so grateful to have that person who she was standing in the street with to to be um an ally in their life. And we just we talked for maybe like five to ten minutes, crossing paths. In that moment, I I feel like I gave something to her in that crossing path in life simply because something was wrong and I was able to, to make her smile, you know, and that mm-hmm. felt really good. That whole crossing path of the out, the outcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and just think about how many moments we have feeling like that throughout life. Like mm-hmm. it's so, it's so many moments where we, we go into new spaces and it may not be as, as drastic as, getting a sex change but i mean you know being a black person going into a white space is uncomfortable you know being baptist going into a pentecostal is uncomfortable just just so many different 
so many different spaces that we enter and our bodies are like, oh, this is new. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you, if you have that same mentality and you think about your children in that way, so many things that they do, it's just new to them. So, you know, if we have that same mindset with our children, I, I do feel like we, we are on the road to so much healing and, and, and parenting these children in the way that they need to be parented instead of how we feel like we need to parent them because the way that we feel like we need to parent them is one way, but the way that they need to be parented is, can sometimes be different. And Janice says the body keeps, the body is keeping the score. Mm-hmm. That's a book on that. So it's really good. Um, she also yes. made a comment earlier um, that says, Candace, you are able to care for your mother and your dad before he passed generational growth. This must've been during the generational curses situation. Um, I'm grateful to see the fruit of my love manifest through you and Kamari. Oh, thanks mom. You're so awesome. <laughs> and I'm so fortunate to be able to do this platform, this podcast with her, you know, and be able to let Kamari see it. She's going to have so much history, um, no matter what happens to me or my mom in life, because we do have this. Um, and that is something mm-hmm. too that I, I've wanted to do and still want to do is get family recordings and have them. I was able to get my aunt before she died. So that was pretty cool. Her last actual day of being able to be verbal. The next day she was out of commission and she died a little of a few weeks later. I know, right? <laughs> on the podcast? No, it wasn't on the podcast. podcast. I went to the hospital and in that moment, I just wanted to ask questions. So I recorded it. Mm-hmm. I hit record and asked her questions about life. And she answered them. I played it for her sons. Mm-hmm. I know. It's kind of I cool. I love that. I know. Yeah. I, grew up with my, I always say that I started doing my podcast because of my dad. Because I grew up with my dad recording. I remember him recording my great-grandfather who died at 101. And I remember he was probably in his, I mean, late, late, late 90s. He's probably 98, 99 when we recorded him. But... That's a very fond memory of mine, of my dad re- recording the elders in our generation. Yeah. I have one last question, and then we have to wrap up, because I don't know how the time... I'm, I'm going to stop saying that for every episode, because apparently it just happens. Um, with, So you shared a lot about your journey, parenting, um, how you homeschooled. And I'm sure there are going to be listeners who says, how was she able to manage doing all of that and work? So can you tell us a little bit of your home work life balanced? Did you work the whole time? Did you have time off where you stay at home, mom? Are you working now? What does that journey look like for those who are just trying to figure out this thing called balance? Mm. So I don't believe in balance. I just don't. I don't feel like there is ever a time where it will all be evenly balanced. Mm -hmm. I do feel like there are times where we feel more balanced um, than others, but I do feel like there are just certain seasons for certain things. And when I was told to, you know, (laughs) come home uh, and, or my, my child, or, or it would be fatal for my, for my child, you know, we had to go down to one income and I did that up until I did that for about four years until I got pregnant with my youngest. Um, and then I went back to work for a little bit. Um, 
and then I'm a I'm a actress and voiceover artist. So I actually left my job last June, and I um, and so now I'm 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 full time voiceover and, and performer again. But um, most of the time, I've I've been kind of in and out, you know, and I do feel like that's one of the sacrifices that I have been okay with, with motherhood. Um, I, we've, we've son, we've gone down to one income more than not. Um, and I feel like, you know, when you are on your journey, you know, what's right for your family, you know, what works for your family, you know, what doesn't work for your family. So that has been my journey. Um, I was working when I had my first one and then, um, when my second one got sick, I had to come home and then I was home. You know, we dealt with a, a, a cross country move back to Los Angeles during that time. We dealt with the pandemic. We dealt with so many things during that time. So I was, I was able to be present with, with them during that time. And then I, I got pregnant with our last baby and I went back to work while I was five months pregnant. And then my 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 artistry has <laughs> has called me um and so that's that's what i that's what i'm doing now i'm 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 full time performer um and i feel like it needs to be said that having children you will sacrifice something and so for me i chose to get the children out the way and focus on my career after. And, you know, for some people it looks differently, but for me, I needed to focus on the kids first, get all of that out the way, get those three births out the way, all the breastfeeding out the way. Um, so that now that I'm done, you know, building the family, I can focus fully on, um, my career. So a lot of the time I was at home, present with the children. Um, and that was my journey. Um, but again, everybody's journey is different. And I think it's very important to know that like the way that I did, it may not work for you the way that someone else did it would not work for me. So, um, yeah, I I don't believe in balance. I I feel like we, we feel more balanced sometimes, (laughs) uh, but a lot of the times you just have to know that like you can do a lot of different things just at different times. You're not going to be able to do it all at one time. Uh, you can mom's... try, <laughs> but just <laughs> right. know that something is going to be sacrificed. Absolutely. Mom says service versus a gift to stay at home with your children. Mm-hmm. It's a a sacrifice. Sorry. Sacrifice versus gift to stay at home with your children. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. Um. Oh, there was, this weekend was one of those weekends where balance didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Like, and you just have to surrender during those moments. You like can't all fight way, it, you yeah. just have to surrender. Mm-hmm. And you know what, though? When you surrender, I will say there, there's so much peace in the surrender. Because you're not, mm-hmm. you're not um, <clears throat> anxious about like, oh my God, I gotta, 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 gotta. I start, I start um, looking for the solution as soon as I realize something needs to change. Friday. Yes. I was supposed I wanted to do my daughter's hair that night. Guess what? It didn't happen. We didn't it was mm-hmm. almost midnight by the time I would have been starting and she looked at me and was like I said not today, but I had already started planning what would the next 
solution look like? I was like, okay, yes. I got an hour where I'll be at the office. I can get there a little early. I can do her hair then. Okay. It's not going to get washed. Okay. Well, I'm not going to be able to wash it just th- today. It will get washed next time. All right. And then it's just like a trickle effect with things. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, how long are you going to be here? I told them, I don't know. I'm winging it, but I'm going to get everything done today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but time-wise, it's wing. I wanted to take her to um, her cousin's house because I was doing a photo shoot. And then time-wise, that wasn't going to work. I was like, okay, well, what's the next solution? And it's always just about rolling to the next solution. Because if you get stuck in that problem, you're going to stay in that problem. Nobody has time to be stuck in a problem. I would have missed out on doing so much this weekend had I been stuck on a problem or it would have been anxious and like just, ah! Anybody got time for that? All right, how are we going to regroup? <laughs> yes. And yes. that's so, you know, I never thought about not believing in balance, but Maybe I don't either, because I'm winging a lot of things. <laughs> but we're going to get I mean, it together. I've, I've, yeah, I've tried it so many times, like trying to, trying to, you know, make sure. I mean, yesterday we had to, re- we had to reschedule our podcast recording. I had to miss a birthday party. I, I mean, and it was all because my kids had basketball. I forgot that we had a a sitter coming over for a date night. Like I, it was so many factors where I was just Uh like, Oh my goodness. Like this is not going to work. I don't know what I was thinking. And then, you know, like I said, my grandmother passed away. I had a, I had a friend who was tragically, um, who tragically passed away this week. So it's like, Mm. you also, in, in these moments, you also have to realize if, if something feels chaotic, it's probably because of everything that's going on around you. And we're so used to moving so quick that we don't even like give ourselves the grace to say, mm-hmm. you know what? I can't record this today. I, can we please do it tomorrow? And like, if there is someone in your life who doesn't get it, then they probably don't need to be present in your life because <laughs> that's just a part of life, you know? And it's, what happened? I told you it was so, perfect. It worked out so well that you had perfect. to reschedule. <laughs> so perfect. Because yesterday, trying to figure out how I was going to put that in my day, I was like, I don't know, but I guess I'm going to figure it out. Then you was like, hey, exactly. I'm sorry to do this, but can we reschedule? Heck yes. You don't know. You saved my life. <laughs> and a lot of times it's like we have so much on our plate that like, the other person may need that relief too, you know? And so mm-hmm. I'm not saying we need to go through life canceling everything, but just be yeah. mindful that like yep. life is happening for everybody. Yes. And, you know, if you have good people around you, they get it, they get it. And they know they that you it. are not some person that's just, you know, <laughs> making up excuses. And so yep. like, that's why you just have to be very mindful of the people that you have around you and the people that you have around your children. Like, oh my goodness, the people that you have around your children, who is uh, so important. So mm. because our village is, is creating the example too. Yes. You know? Yeah. Our village Uh-oh, is creating I see the example. Twitter fingers over there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, we are like over an hour at this point, and I'm going to say mm-hmm. your comment when I receive it, uh, but for anyone who is struggling and need help, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988 or text it at 988 um, for free and confidential information, 24 hours a day, 365 days a week. Uh, of course, Corrine, I am really grateful to have had you. She said a whole new podcast. I don't even know what that was in reference to. Starting new things. Oh, who we allow our children to be around. That's a whole nother podcast. 
because oh yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah. you you gotta you gotta you gotta have them around people who but you know i i will say this before we go you gotta have them around the light and the dark too because yes. they have to see it <laughs> they have to see it and it's really hard sometimes it's hard but they have to see it because if they don't see it, they'll think everything is green and it's not. So you have to see the dark too to know when when it's yellow and when it's red. The so red flags. Having, okay. The red flags. Having having kids around a diverse group of people is lessons. It's, it is the best lesson. Is oh my goodness, the best. Teacher. You know, so, I I definitely had to come to grips with that. Um, yes. because there are environments and situations that my daughter end up in that are out of my control. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know what? This can be good for her. I just have to look at the good in that because guess what? I'm her example. I'm her main example. You know, I am the one who's going to feed her these rules and ways to go about life. So if I continue to come back, what did she learn there? Okay, well, you mm-hmm. learned this. Now, how can I? Oh, new podcast. You're right. Okay. <laughs> the people we influence. You're right. We cannot keep going on this because that's a whole nother hour of conversation. Um, Corrine, is there anywhere, anything you want to give to the audience? Any social medias? Um, I know you gave us the mommy hour on any podcast. Yeah, I um I'm on uh Instagram at Corrine.levan. That's C-O-R-E-N-E dot L-A-V-H-A-N. Um and I, I just I'm just so happy that you're doing this and I'm just so I'm really proud of you. Oh, I really am. You. I I I think it's so important for us to have these conversations, you and Mama Janet, and it's I just think it's just so it's always just breath, like a breath of fresh air to hear black women speak so freely about mm-hmm. the journey and growth mm-hmm. and, and talking about it all. It, it's just, it's just so breathtaking because I, I feel like we don't always get to do this. Um, we are expected to show up in a very specific way in a lot of different spaces. And so when we create our own spaces, it's very freeing. So, so many people need you guys. And I'm so happy that you guys are continuing the journey. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Corrine. And of course you can find me at Candace Fleming at essentialmotivation.com. You can send your emails, Instagram, Candace, I mean, Essential Motivation LLC or Candace Casper. That's my personal one. And I apparently started merging them. Um, <laughs> and then there is Facebook Essential Motivation. So yes, please share, like, subscribe, tell all your friends, tell all the people who want to put, make us a monetized um, podcast in the major way. Oh, and okay. Janet wants me to let you know, Corrine, that these platforms allow what say it again allow us to be <laughs> free and not uh, allows black women to have a space to be able to yes. be authentic and we can talk about our experiences without yes. code switching without to have a safe space and we can do it with pride yes unapologetically unapologetically All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, Corrine, for being here with us. Thank you, Mom, for your very best rendition of being here with the technical difficulties. Yes. (laughs) We 
we can still see her. Yes. So thank you all so much. It's been great. And until next time, bye guys. (laughs) Bye.